Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 337 recorded live on Sunday, December 8th, 2013. And here are your hosts, the man who may or may not have had his TV hooked up yet, Dave Pillay. Hello! And the man who's watching the Lions in a snowball, Andy Lowe, hi. How many inches are on the field now? I think the last count was eight inches of snow on the field right now. Eight inches of snow. Could you imagine playing football in eight inches of snow? No. No, I could not. Can you imagine baseball players playing in eight inches of snow? That would not work. That would be hilarious. You could see the ball just get hit by the baseball player into a snowdrift, and then you could <laughs> they spend... have to dig it out. The running. Well, but keep be... in mind, while they're digging it out, he has to trudge through eight inches of snow. Yes, very true. The timing works out. But if you're trying to find a white baseball in a white pile of snow, you'll see where it landed. It'll kick up snow, and there'll be a hole in the ground, and you can dig it out. You don't have to worry about it bouncing. True. As soon as it hits into the snowdrift, it's going to stop. Right. It's there. <laughs> See, this makes me worry about the uh, next Super Bowl. Why? Because they're playing it at the Jets Stadium. New York, right? Yes. New York outside in, what, so? February? Well, whoever's the northernmost team will have the advantage. Unless, you know, it doesn't snow. Even if it doesn't snow, Andy, how cold is it going to be? Oh, probably freezing because they're going to do it in prime time, so it's not going right. to be light out. This is like your fingers are falling off because it's so cold. And no, they usually do the Super Bowl at like noon or two. No, no, they don't. That's like the warm up. Oh. Oh, right. Usually starts at like four or five. Yeah, because they want to get the primetime audience. Right. Super Bowl starts at noon. Oh, gosh. Well, it's it's the pre-parties start at noon is what happens. Yes, very true. I sort of have a TV hooked up. Kind of. There's nothing really to hook up for my TV. What do you mean? Well, I don't have cable. So you can still get the over-the-air channels, right? Yes. Let me guess, you don't have an antenna hooked up. I don't have an antenna hooked up. So, no. Not as such. So, you have a monitor. Yes. And it's not plugged in to anything. Gotcha. It's also not high def. It's a 720p monitor. That's considered high def. 720 is considered high def? Yes. Ah. At least I think it's 720. Maybe it's 1080. I should probably plug it into my computer at some point and find out. I actually could plug it into my computer. It has an HDMI port. Your computer does? And the TV. Ah, well, I just assumed that the TV would have an HDMI port. Yes, the TV and my computer have an HDMI port. So, when's the cable guy showing up? What do you mean? I thought you said you don't have cable hooked up on it. I, well, I have. so I have cable... As in, I have cable internet. I'm not going to get cable TV. You're not going to get cable TV? No, why would I get cable TV? What do I watch besides sports? HBO. That's not part of cable. That's a separate package that you have to purchase. 
that you get over cable or satellite. Yes. But it would require spending $50 a month. So my guess is, oh my gosh, that was a horrible fumble. <laughs> my guess is that was a horrible fumble? Sorry, the, the snap. Was, Focus, Andy. Sorry, Focus. it was bad. It was Focus. Bad. So how are you going to watch your Game of Thrones or your... Uh, I don't know what else you watch. House of Cards is on Netflix. Most other things are available by Torrent. This could sound really weird because we're both. I'm I'm going by what's the tone that I'm hearing, but there's going to be that lag. So it's going to be off by a pitch at some point. That's going to be yeah. weird to hear. Sorry, but no, I'm I'm probably not going to get cable. You're cutting the cord. I see how it is. I have cut the cord. But I have my computers, and I will have a Chromecast, and I will have Netflix and a wireless network, and what more do I need? Cable. I don't need cable. Let me just say that internet streaming and torrenting are great if they actually put that stuff on the internet. Yes. Which is to say anything other than sports. No one publishes sports games online. No, some of them do. They put them as the, the next day as a video on demand. Oh. I think ESPN's well, okay, doing that now. Like That's how you can get some of the ESPN stuff through your Xbox is video on demand with the day after. I mean, it's not like I'd actually want to watch the game after it happens. That is true, unless it's like one of those things where... Okay, perfect example. Michigan versus Appalachian State. Yeah. The Big Ten Network played that like the day after it happened and the ratings for that were through the roof because everyone from Appalachian and everyone who was against Michigan wanted to see it yeah so there so there is a prime example of day after telecast that would make sense but for the most part yeah if it was just a ho-hum game you know 30 to 40 something like not really that exciting of a game yep then I wouldn't see the day after being okay, but it's those times where it's just like, did you hear what happened? Did you see the eight inches of snow in Philadelphia? That sort of thing. I saw pictures of the eight inches of snow. But if there was like some sort of bobble or something that the game hinged on because of the snow, would you want to watch it and see? It'll be on YouTube. Okay, I can see that. So, no, not really. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that would seem odd for you to do. There are many things that would be odd for me to do, Andy. I know, but I'm just compared to the average person. Are, is, is there anyone in particular you're thinking of? Not that I can think of, no. Okay, then. Shall we hit some topics? Sure. And talk about what's going on. Because we, we had a random topic recap last week. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? I should be asking you that question. Yeah, but I beat you to the punch. My response would be, oh, I was ready. Ask Dave what happened. Oh. Uh, Dave, what happened last week? Oh, we had second Thanksgiving last week. And I forgot my headset. And didn't have time because we had second Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Dave, why are we recording on Sunday this week? 
Uh, because Dave forgot to tell Andy that he can't record on Saturday this week because Dave moved this week. You have Google Calendar, right? Yeah, and I really need to start like actually entering things into it. Either Google Calendar or even my work calendar, just so I know that it's there. On the plus side, I moved in. I have a house. Well, technically, paying off a loan with a huge amount of collateral. Yes. Which would be my house. I'm just saying, having a mortgage and renting, there's not much of a difference there outside of the fact that you are, have a greater responsibility for the upkeep of said house. The only person I have to answer to if I want to put a hole in my wall is me. Do I still have a monthly payment? Yes. But it's a monthly payment on something that I own. If you are unable... Yes, if I'm unable to pay, they will repossess. They will take over the house. Because this is the collateral. But the collateral is mine. It is what I own. Alright, I'm just going to drop it because Kate's telling me I'm dumb. Thank you, Kate! You too will feel this someday, Andy. So, speaking of your cable and or lack of it, uh, Ars Technica did a report on why we are uh, not getting gigabit level internet at the moment. Especially since the first ever gigabit broadband speed download was uh, demonstrated two and a half years ago. Okay. I mean, wouldn't that require them to lay down new lines everywhere? Uh, no. It will require them to input new switches and routers, though. Okay. So why don't we have this? Because the um, transmission uh, form, uh, what am I thinking of? Transmission standard right now is uh, DOCSIS 3.0 which would require different uh, internals on most of the routers and gateways. The household routers and gateways, or the other ones? The other ones, like the entire backbone structure. Okay. Routers and gateways. So it will cost them money. Yes. And supposedly DOCSIS 3.1, the specifications for that were recently released, and they, are, I think, are going to get uh, 38 megabits per second no sorry um 1.2 gigabits per second so i mean i i can understand this from their side they don't want to spend the money to upgrade the infrastructure and then spend even more money to upgrade it to 3.1 right will happen especially because it's not like they're i'm okay it's not like they're going to uh be able to charge more Oh, they're always going to be able to charge more. Yes, but people aren't going to pay it. No, no, people are not going to pay it. I mean, they could charge whatever they want, but people are only going to pay so much for internet. Yeah, currently uh, 34% of Comcast residential customers choose a speed tier faster than 25 megabits per second. Because it's just so expensive. Yeah. So we're kind of in a doldrum right now until 3.1 comes out and then Comcast decides to upgrade their network. So most people are predicting... If they decide. They could easily just keep what they've got. They probably could, and they probably will because, you know... Have to nationalize the cable lines. Just like they tried to nationalize the... No, they did nationalize the railroad standard, didn't they? Mm Mm-hmm. 
stupid. My the only thing I see about this is the fact that there's always going to be new technology on the horizon. Yes. And so you always have the argument of, oh, we'll wait for that to be done before we upgrade. And then we'll sit at our, you know... Craptastic. Two, yeah, 25 megabits per second speed, just waiting for it to, you know, do something. Oh, you know what? I haven't actually run a speed test here yet. Well, don't do it now. But aren't you curious as to what I'm going to get? Not really, no. But I want to know what my communication is to the rest of the world. Well, you're also using some of it at the moment. Yes. Okay. That's a that's a good amount. I have a 25 meg down. So cable is the way it is because companies are companies. I mean, that's that's basically yes. what you're saying, right? Yeah, yes it is. But this one gave a specific reason of what they're doing and why at the moment. But that reason is one that would never actually go away. There's There's always another tech on the horizon. Yes. Well, what does the FCC chairman have to say about all this? Well, uh, there's two things, actually. One that I'm actually posting right now to the topic list. I just have to remember not to use the control button because I use that to uh, cue the mic. The first is the fact that it seems Wheeler is starting to side with the Comcast and the Verizons. The telecoms. Yes, and not the content producers like Netflix and such. Well, content distributors. We'll go with that one instead. Yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't the FCC chairman be siding with the consumers? Well, the FCC chairman has to, you know, dance a fine line between the consumers and the corporations that are willing to spend billions and billions of dollars and such. Nationalize the telecoms. You know that's never going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Because they shouldn't have to walk a fine line. There shouldn't be a fine line to walk. Yes, I understand these companies want to make money, but they are providing a service. I don't know. Am I, am I just feel like one of those entitled brats that say, like, people should have internet. It should be good quality. We should be continuing to improve the infrastructure. Telecom industries are making a lot of money off of us. That should be their like their responsibility. It's kind of like what you're thinking about with the phone system originally, because it was a requirement by the government, because I think it was tariffed and taxed specifically for things. For If you have phone service, you are like required by the government to have a working phone service. So it was a requirement before AT&T to make sure that your phone worked. Like, if your phone didn't work, I do believe you were actually able to get money for it, that sort of thing. But now in the world of the internet and the ethernet infrastructure that we have going on here, that is not a requirement. So do you think that would work if you just made a requirement that said, if you are paying for this speed, you must be able to reach that speed at any point in time? I mean, that's kind of what what's going on. It's that asterisk at the end of the speed that you're allowing. It's always up to 30 megabits per second. But instead, you know, uh, the FCC was trying to counteract that sort of thing with the open internet order where it said, hey, the the network must be neutral, cannot cannot prioritize service. And now that's changing. Yes, the, uh, let me quote Wheeler 
during a speech he just made at OSU. Haha, ha, OSU for losing, side note. By OSU, you mean the Ohio State University? Yes. Okay. Because OSU is really Oklahoma. True. So if you're from Ann Arbor, you call it Ohio State. If you're from Ohio State, you call it the Ohio State University. So I'll just call it Ohio State. All right. So he was doing a speech at Ohio State. He was answering questions afterwards. And this is his quote. I am a firm believer in the market. I think we're also going to see a two-sided market where Netflix might say, well, I'll pay in order to make sure that you might receive, my subscriber receives, the best possible transmission of this movie. I think we want to let those kinds of things evolve. We want to observe what happens from that, and we want to make decisions accordingly. But I go back to the fact that the marketplace is where these decisions ought to be made, and the functionality of a competitive marketplace dictates the degree of regulation. So, in a nutshell, he said, hey, let the market decide. This is bad. This remark came just seconds after he is quoted saying, we stand for an open internet. Okay, those are two different things. Yeah. Once again, he's trying to dance a fine line. Yeah, clearly. Not sure he's doing a very good job of it. Nope. So, if we want to talk about markets... Amazon had an interesting announcement these last two weeks. The one where they said, oh, yeah, this is our future plan. That's not going to work. Yeah, I'm not sure whether or not they meant it actually as seriously, this is what we want to do, or hey, wouldn't it be cool if? My thought is this is a giant marketing ploy to get everybody to talk about Amazon on social networks. I think that's probably the case. Because isn't that exactly what happened as soon as this was announced on 60 Minutes, just Facebook blew up with Amazon drones? What? Amazon drones. Amazon is evidently looking at delivering with drones. Now, to just um, put a caveat on it, the idea was that if you lived within, I think it was 10 minutes flight from an Amazon distribution center, then you would be able to get Anything under five pounds delivered by drone within a half hour. Those are some pretty significant caveats. Yes, because I would love to see how many people live in live within 10 minutes of an Amazon distribution center since, you know, these things are just giant warehouses and normally in the middle of nowhere in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So they would either have to get millions of distribution centers all over the place for this, you know, to work. So maybe they're they are planning on it, but it really is for just going to be those people within 10 minutes. Well, there's a lot of things that need to be done here. This is why I linked this specific article instead of anything just talking about the pipe dream ideas that they had that came, you know, directly from 60 Minutes, which really wasn't news. It was more just Jeff Bezos talking about Amazon and their crazy ideas. Okay. So, okay, so Amazon said it should be able to carry a five-pound package up to 10 miles within 30 minutes. That's Amazon's goal, right? Okay. Currently, there are copters on the market that are able to carry things heavier than five pounds. That's, that's already a given, right? Yeah, how far, though? Maximum of 15 minutes of air times and can travel horizontally less than a mile. So, not quite the- no, you can. Yeah, they can only fly horizontally for less than a mile. That's it. Why? What's the limit? Batteries. 
So maybe the drones could play like hopscotch and just keep putting down and then recharging and then going up and going. Somebody asked MIT's aeronautics and astronautics division, which side notes is the coolest name ever. Aeronautics and astronautics division. Yes. Is that where you want to work, Andy? No, because I am not a rocket scientist. I can be perfectly fine with that. Okay. In any case, somebody asked them what they thought. They said, unless Jeff Bezos has made some kind of amazing breakthrough in battery life, which I kind of doubt, the flight time is going to continue to be a problem. I don't know. He could be working nice and close with the Tesla guys. But no, they they really are not going to no. do this. There's This is one of those like silly, hey, let's talk about doing this so that we can drive publicity. Yes, this is honestly what my guess this whole thing was about. Also, some of the best jokes I saw about it was um, someone ordering a five-pound bag of birdseed. Oh, that's a good one. And then, like, sniping the bag from a distance so that as the drone is carrying it, it's just dumping birdseed everywhere. Well, that is one of the questions everybody keeps on bringing up is the fact that what happens if somebody shoots down your package while it's in flight? Why would someone shoot down a drone? Have you not heard about the guys who are putting bounties on drones? I have not. Aren't any drone that they're going to want a bounty on going to be flying so much higher than anyone can reach? There are cities or people in the United States. I think there is like a drone hunting license. I think I saw it on the Daily Show at some point where there was a city that was actually granting people drone hunting licenses. Okay, no. Let me Google it. bad. These things are expensive. I'm not defending the, the government's using them to spy on Americans, but they're like complex and expensive pieces of machinery. True. This, yeah, this is a crazy pipe dream and I highly doubt it's going to happen for a long time. Right. Especially since they have to wait for the FAA to come up with commercial UAV guidelines in 2015. So we're not going to see anything until, you know, at least that. Two years from now. Well, a year and a half from now. Which this article could lead directly into another one about skyjacking. Yes! So Dave, tell us about skyjacking. So you have a drone. Okay, I have a drone. And it's this one brand of drone. And I have this drone. It's the same drone, but I've added a little bit more. I've put on a Raspberry Pi. Okay, so you've added a computer to your drone. I can take my drone and just kind of let it patrol because it's programmed to patrol. And if it comes across your drone, it can hijack your drone. Can what? It will hijack your drone and take control. Basically, I get to infect your drone with malware. And take it over. And take it over. And then I have a zombie drone. Oh, goodness. That I can then basically do whatever I want. So, how does your drone hack my drone? Uh, well, both drones are equipped with Wi-Fi. Really? It's a Wi- Oh, it's one of those tiny ones that are controlled by your uh, cell phone, isn't it? I believe so. Okay, so it's not like, you know, yeah, somebody could hijack a government drone. No. Like, so, first off, those are going to be flying drone. so much higher. 
This is a consumer model. Okay. So you could hijack a, a, a simple buy it at sharper image drone. Right. Got it. That said. That said, somebody's figured out how to do this and, you know. That's kind of cool. <laughs> like, you know, sitting there playing with your drone. Where is it? Why isn't it coming back? It should be back by now. Oops. Oops is right. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Yep. I just love how that the fact that there are so many different ways you could actually take over a drone. Theranis did I their mean, whole GPS spoofing. Okay, so you can if you can access the GPS satellites or if you can if you can fake a signal. That's one way. There's Wi-Fi attacks if it's a Wi-Fi enabled drone. I guess you could physically get to it. Well, I'm just thinking doing something along the lines of the Iranis GPS spoofing. Where Iranian. You just, the what? Iranians. Iranian? Yes. The the term would be Iranian. You know, that sounds right. I don't know why I didn't pick that off out of my head. I don't know. Because it's the Iraqis. Iraqis. I, I rate. Oy. Anyway, you could take a drone that's being controlled somehow by some sort of radio frequency, right? Sure. My guess is there's only a finite number of frequencies. You could do some sort of frequency hopping and it's spread spectrum. Isn't, sort of yeah, stuff. isn't there something like cross-band broad spectrum or something like that? That can't yeah, be Yeah, the stuff that well, it can't be jammed because it keeps on frequency hopping. So it's programmed into the receiver and into the transmitter that at random intervals it will jump to another random frequency. And they will always match up sort of thing. Okay. So what's to stop me from just jamming every frequency? That's what my thought was. You get... Because you're only going to have to point it at the drone, so you could get a serious satellite like, dish sort uh, yeah, of thing. Yeah, get a, a directional transmitter. A, a very high-powerful directional transmitter, and you just throw it's, every frequency It's the frequency equivalent of shining of. The, the sun at it, basically. Yeah. Instead of just shining a flashlight that's the same color as the other flashlight, this one, you just shine every single... Shine a white light. Yeah. And then you'll have to find out what happens to the drone if it loses connection with the home base. Most of the time, there will, I guess, the failsafe would be to land and wait for a reconnection. Uh, I don't know if it would land or if it would go home. Mm, it might just go home. That would be the better option. Yeah. Of course, that could also be dangerous because go home would then lead whoever it is directly back to you if they can track the drone. Very true. There's a lot of talk about drones nowadays. Well, this was the next logical step when we started talking about anonymous cars. Anonymous cars? Yeah, you know, like the, the whole DARPA Grand Challenge sort of thing with cars that could drive themselves. You mean driverless cars? Yes, autonomous How are those cars. An, oh, autonomous. You didn't Why, say the did T. Say? Or if you said the T, it was not transmitted. You said anonymous cars. The cars you don't know about. Right. Like cars driving people that are like just are these cars with blacked out windows and no license plate? What the hell does this have to do with a drone? No, this one. Autonomous. Um, that's autonomous, different. Autonomous. Yes. So you know how we have the Google cars here in the United States and then Audi is doing their autonomous testing. Yes. Right. It seems Nissan 
has also been doing some uh, autonomous driving, which they have completed first uh, public highway tests for their autonomous vehicles in Tokyo. Okay. Which my guess is the fact that if you're driving through Tokyo with an autonomous vehicle and it survives... You did it well. I think you did a good job there. None of this driving out in the middle of Arizona deserts. No one around. Fuck it, we're going to Tokyo. Do it live. So yeah, they're planning on offering cars for sale by 2020 is their current deadline, and I think they're going to make it. Uh, Assuming the... Well, okay, so that's seven years down the road. That's plenty of time to get it set up. I can I can definitely see that. In fact, I could see Google's being done by 2020. I think 2020 is a pretty good deadline for most of the automation stuff there. Right. The real question is, what are the laws going to say in 2020? That is the excellent question. Because you and I have talked about this, Andy. We've brought it up before. This is all fun and wonderful and amazing until one of them gets into an accident. It's all fun and games until somebody pokes an eye out. Or dies horrendously. Dies in a fiery car Who's crash. Who's responsible? That could also lead to another... I've got a lot of cars and automation stuff here. This is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so in the UK, a British company has demonstrated a device capable of stopping cars and other vehicles using a blast of electromagnetic waves, kind of like we talked about how to take over a drone. Wasn't that from an episode of um, Leverage? I'm not sure. I knew they had something sort of like that in the last Fast and Furious movie. It's just like an EM cannon that will disable a car or any electronics in its path. That is basically what they did here. They just sent electromagnetic waves, I think, in the microwave spectrum. Let me double check. Yeah, a radar transmitter. All right. So they just would send pulses, and then the pulses would get picked up by the electronic wiring, and then everything would go haywire, and the car would shut off. Okay. And it works at ranges up to 164 feet. So a couple things. First off, I can shield the wires in my car. Yeah, that's the, you just get some braided, there is definitely lots of EMP. Shielding. Shielding. Lots of it out there. Wow. Andy. Yeah? We live in the future. You can purchase EM shielding? Think about the games that you played as a kid. I don't know where you're going with this. That, like, as part of those games, it was always ion cannons and EM pulses, and you could upgrade and get shields against electromagnetic pulse. We live in a day and age where you actually can buy things that shield you from an EM pulse. Except we live the- in a day and age where EM pulses are a viable weapon. True. So Which anyway, the, I, the, the, the idea of actually blocking electromagnetic interference from pulses and stuff, that actually is not old. You could do just some balanced wiring. Right. And then, yeah, you could do that with audio all the time. That's what they do for long distances so they don't get uh, crosstalk from other sources. So... That's problem one with this, is that I could just shield the car. Problem two, what happens if they miss and hit someone else? Also true. Problem three, what if I have an older car that doesn't depend on the battery? 
They said that he, when the guy, the inventor was asked about this, he said, certainly if you took a 1960s Land Rover, there's a good chance you're not going to stop it. And that's a, that's a very good point. You're not going to stop that. You take my 83 Benz, which is a diesel, you, you can't stop it with an electromagnetic pulse. There's no spark plugs. There's no spark plugs. The engine no shutoff is, yeah, there's no computer. The engine shutoff is not controlled by anything electronics. It's actually a vacuum actuated system. Yep. So yeah, that wouldn't work with that car at all. Still kind of cool. Like they can just shut down a car. Yeah, think of high-speed chases where the guy's just driving and all of a sudden, boom, his car's dead. That would work a lot better than those crazy uh, spike strips. Yep, where they totally lose control. Yeah, because yeah. their tires are shredded. Although if, if you do an EM pulse and it kills the car and the car is still traveling at 70 miles an hour, uh, the power steering could be going out at that point if there's no power. The power steering could be out there. Most of the brakes are also electronically controlled now because everything in the car is fly-by-wire. Yep. Well, even the brakes, really? Yeah, even the brakes. There's no How fail-safe you... on that. No. Uh, you, like, get braking I lost from power. The, you would get braking because the engine would still be connected to the transmission, and the engine would stop, and so that it would act like a brake, probably almost Fry destroy your the engine. engine. Yeah, it would rip the engine apart. But really, like the brakes themselves, if you lose power, you lose your brakes. Something Some about them, that doesn't sound right. That's the way they're going. Now, that's how Audi was able to get their automation system to work so easily with the cars, the fact that everything was run through the computer. The braking well, was run through I the computer. But I can imagine that, that you either have an actuator with the brake or that you have a combination. But if my car is off and I push down on the brake, I'm still applying the brakes. You don't want that to be totally independently fly-by-wire. No, there probably is some sort of mechanical backup. There, okay, yeah. I don't know. I would love to actually see your car to see how this is oh, all. Oh, no, my car definitely. I know that, that the brakes are there. The gas is computer-controlled. But the brakes are most definitely there the if brakes, your car is If off. I push down on the brake pedal, the brakes apply. Okay, so there's still some sort of mechanical linkage. Right. And you, you never want to get rid of that. But there is some sort of electronic component in there as well. Oh, that's I'm how sure. Anti-lock sure. brake systems work. Yeah, but that's probably just an actuator or something. Force feedbacks it and kicks it off. We need a freaking automotive engineer in here. Isn't that what you were for? Uh, is that about the blind leading the blind right now? Okay. Blind leading the blind and deaf, but whatever. So what else do we have? Um, there was a giant cache of uh, passwords that were found. Two million passwords? Yep, with usernames? Two... Nope, just the passwords. Just the passwords? From where? Well, let's see. There were 1.58 million website login credentials stolen, 320,000 email account credentials stolen, 41,000 FTP account credentials stolen, 3,000 remote desktop, and 3,000 secure shell account credentials stolen. From, let's see, Facebook, Yahoo, Google, Twitter, LinkedIn, a couple of Russian websites, actually. Let's see, a majority of them were from the Netherlands, Thailand, Germany. No, wait, never mind. Those Netherlands were through a uh, proxy, so it might not actually just be the Netherlands, but 
all over the world. So anyway, 2 million passwords, right? Yes. Want to guess what the number uh, one password was? Password. No, that was actually number four. One, two, three, four. That was number three. One, two, three, four, five, six. Two, three, four, five, six. Yes, you have hit number one. The password is one, one, two, two, three. Do you know where this is? Spaceballs. There you it's go. The same pass. It's the same combination as my luggage. <laughs> it's the same combination I have on my luggage. One, two, three, four, five. All right. So here we go. Top ten of them in order: one through six, then one through nine, then one, two, three, four, then password, then one, two, three, four, five, one through eight, admin, one, two, three, one, one through seven, and then six ones. What website? allows you to have a password of one character. I don't know. That but has to be was... one of the easiest things. I mean, it, it would take a minute to brute force. Not even a minute. I think that is like one of the first things you would do with a brute force attacker, right? Is just is... start going through the numbers? Uh, start going through letters, so A. My guess is they would start with numbers, especially since... As you can see, the top 10 most common passwords from 2 million files are all numbers, except, except for, for password and admin. Yes. Okay, so they decided, the people who found this 2 million password dump decided to compare it to the uh, giant leaked amount of MySpace accounts back in 2006, because that was also was a large and common pool of passwords. Yeah. Back in 2006, the top 10 most common passwords comprised of only 0.9% of the total count. All right, so less than 1%. In this pile, they added up to 2.4%. So 2.5% of all these leaked passwords were in those top 10. Yes. God damn, idiots. Just wow. Yeah. Uh, and these guys have also decided to say that they are not going to release this data set ever. Good. Uh, yeah, so they're also going to uh, let the people know, like Yahoo and Google, about these compromised passwords. So, like, you have a problem. It's ridiculous. One, two, three, four, five, six. Jeez. One, two, three, four, five, six. Neither of us use that password, though. No, no, I don't. I've also been using a lot of two-point authentication for most of my stuff now. Yep. Man, having that thing on your phone, kind of nice, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Until you lose your phone. Or forget to uninstall it before you switch phones and then have to go and email your uh, credentials to them so you can get it unlocked again. Yep. But what do you do when your email is connected under that so you can't get to your email? Ooh. I don't know. All right, what's next? Um, well, speaking of electric cars. Yes. Oh, oh, remember, did, did we talk about how the Teslas were catching fire? Uh, I think we did at some point, and they said it was an extremely small amount of Teslas that were catching yeah, fire. Yeah, they figured out why. Oh, why? Uh, it's people running over things that get kicked up into the bottom of the car. Where the batteries are stored. Because the bottom of the car is a giant battery. And so it's like if you run over a, a nail and the nail gets kicked up and it punctures the bottom of the car, you just punctured a battery. That's typically bad news. 
especially if you puncture it with some sort of metal object that will create a short. Right. Yeah, yeah I can see all that. So that's, that's why the Teslas were catching fire. Now, what you can do about that, I don't know. Just put some sort of steel plate under there is my best, my only guess. Oh, right. So let's add how much weight to the car? Well, you you have to secure the batteries somehow. Yep. You have to protect them. If your problem is the fact that your batteries are getting punctured, then you have to protect them from puncture somehow. But that's clearly not what you wanted to talk about. Oh, the fact that somebody in Atlanta was arrested for stealing electricity to power his electric car. Okay. His car, which was plugged into a 110-volt outlet connected to the outside of a school, draws one kilowatt an hour. All right? Yeah. He was plugged in for less than 20 minutes before a cop came over and requested him to stop. So if you do the math, the amount of power he drew from the school was less than five cents. Okay. So they are arresting him for stealing a nickel. Yes. The man who arrested him said that a theft is a theft and that he would arrest anyone for charging their car from an outlet without permission. Which makes me wonder if I'm going to get arrested the next time I'm at an airport and I'm plugged in my laptop to charge it. Particularly when the airport puts out charging stations, I think you're okay. I just flew uh, through Detroit. There's like charging stations next to the seats now. Pretty sure they're okay with you charging your laptop. This is ridiculous, though. Five cents? Yes, a theft is a theft. But no? No no surprise that the man plans on fighting the criminal charges. I hope so. All of this over a nickel. Yeah. His argument is there's no record of anyone being arrested for drinking water out of a tap. Well, that's part of your bill, isn't it? You know, paying for water. Mm-hmm. It's part of your taxes and your bill. Oh, crap, I have to start paying for water. And your garbage pickup, too. That's part of taxes. Oh, okay. So let's see what else do we got going on here. Steam! We have Steam. Did you buy okay. anything during the last Steam sale? No, I completely forgot it was there, and by the time I got home, it was basically over. Because mm. I was away from my computer from, what, the Wednesday before? All the way through that Saturday? Yeah, Sunday, actually. Through that Sunday, yep. So I missed a large section of that, but eh, I'm good. I mean, you have it on your phone. Actually, I don't at the moment, because there's a login credential issue that I'm having. Oh, no! Well, I bought Prison Architect, which I'm looking forward to getting a chance to actually play. Bought Skyrim, which I'm looking forward to getting a chance to actually play. Laura's put in large amounts of time on that. But during that sale, Steam reached a new record. Which is? 7 million concurrent users. Okay, so um, my guess... I love how they point out the fact that, you know, I could be logged in but playing World of Warcraft at the same time. Right. But you're still logged in. Well, yes, because I'm always logged in for some crazy odd reason, except for actually right now. Because Steam set as one of your auto start activities? Yes. There you go. You sure you're not actually logged in right now? Oh, no, I actually uh, cut it down there because I was having issues loading up Google Drive and wanted to make sure that everything that possibly could use Internet access was disconnected. Ah. So right now I am not connected to Steam in any way, shape, or form. Okay. 
Well, seven million people were at once. Now, if they were actually seven million people connected and playing something, that would be more surprising. That would be. They've actually now reached 715 million. Not 715. Wow. 7,150,000. Yeah, that's a big difference in those numbers, Dave. Yeah, slightly. Just a wee bit. Just teeny tiny bit. Second most popular game is brand new, actually. It's uh, Starbound. Huh. What? No, that it. that's the second most popular. My guess is TF2 is the most popular. Dota. Oh, Dota. No. no, I always forget about those crazy games. Those crazy games? Yeah, like LOL and Dota, etc. I see. The MOBA-style games. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, speaking of LOL... Yeah. Speaking of LOL, what? Um, Riot Games... Yes. ...had started a policy that prohibited contracted professional League of Legends players from competing or sorry who compete in the League of Legends championship series from live streaming gameplay from its competitors titles so if you were contracted as a professional lol player you could not live stream Dota 2 or StarCraft 2 or anything else like that that kind of sucks yeah no surprise there was you know backlash about this and in fact they reversed their decision. Yes, which makes perfect sense. Right, because the decision was stupid in the first place. Yes, yes it was. It's like going and telling a professional football player, you can't play baseball. Bo Jackson plays whatever he wants to play. Right. Or telling a professional basketball player, you can't play baseball. All the celebrity softball games are out. Laura points out maybe they should have done that. It might have saved Michael Jordan some pain. Ooh, burn. Not as bad as his games were. That's because he needed the money because he was gambling it all away. Did you hear a story that like Michael Jackson, Michael, not Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan was betting, I think, like 50 grand a hole on some golf game that he was playing at one point? Yep. 50 grand a hole. Who the hell was he playing against? Tiger Woods. No, probably not. I have no idea who he was playing against, but someone who was probably making a lot of money. Probably. I don't think this would have been... I understand where Riot was coming from, the fact that you don't want your people to try and promote, you know, other titles. But still, you can't tell somebody, I'm sorry, you can't do anything outside of LOL on the internet. Right. Like, just bad idea. And Riot, yeah. as, as a company, has made some pretty good choices and some pretty good decisions, and they've been very kind to their users. This was just stupidity, and I'm glad that they've seen that. Also, this image at the top of the article of, like, thousands of people watching a game? Holy crap. Hey, man, eSports is the new thing. Is that, like, actual? That wasn't a Photoshop picture? No, that's actual. Holy shit. I think it's like the European Championship or something like that. Wow. Yeah, it comes from the Riot uh, eFlicker. Yeah, World Finals, set two. Wow. At the S3 World Championship. Wow. <laughs> kind of want to go see that now. It's like packs on steroids, it seems. Yeah, no shit. So speaking of Penny Arcade. Yes. In, Remember how we talked about how they were expanding their brand and they were going to start yeah. up that Penny Arcade TV and the Penny Arcade Report? 
Yeah, and they are now changing their mind. They have decided to shrink back down again. I was wondering how long that was going to take. So Penny Arcade is run by these two guys, basically. And they kept growing and growing and growing and adding more and adding more and adding more. And now they have decided that they want to come back to not necessarily the basics, but just kind of rein in the growth and and trim some things off. So both PATV, the Penny Arcade-sponsored TV channel, and the Penny Arcade Report are being shut down. I'm glad they got through the strip search, though, before they decided to shut it down, because that was actually mildly interesting. Strip search? Their web series where they... um, Right, for the cartoonists. For the cartoonists. Project Runway for cartoons. I wonder what's going to happen, though, because that's two years we spent working on the Penny Arcade Report, and now they're... Ben Kuchera? Yeah. He'll get a job somewhere else. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, He's got the clout now. He's got the experience. He'll do fine. He'll land on his feet. And I'm also sure that they didn't just be like, oh, guess what? You're gone. You don't think so? No, no. I I believe they would have connections within the gaming industry. Well, I, I, I wasn't even saying connections. Them. I was saying that, like, they would be... They, they let him know well before and said, oh, probably. You, can, you can start looking for a place and we'll help you find a place and things like that. No, oh, probably. So that's done. So now where's the other independent news source that I'm going to go to that's not, you know, Joystick or Kotaku? Gawker Media. Anything that's not Gawker or is AOL owns Joystick? I think so. They own Engadget. I don't know, Andy. Where are you going to go? Who Giant Bomb now? Uh, is Giant Bomb still owned by themselves? I thought they got bought by somebody. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, they got bought by CBS. No, sorry. It thought it was uh, Giant Bomb got bought by GameSpot, which is owned by CBS. Okay. See, I don't know where else I'm going to go that's quote-unquote independent. Us, but we'd have to get it from somewhere else. All right. Uh, should we hit Random Review? Sure. Random Review is Ticket to Ride. What? But we, what, what? we thought we already... Did Ticket to Ride. I thought I did that episodes ago. Uh, 272-ish episode? Okay. You did the board game. And then you did the Nordic version of the board game. Yes. I'm doing the electronic version of the board game. The iPad version? The multi-platform version. The multi-platform version? Yes. So mine is on Steam, actually. I play it on the PC. But it's a multi-platform version. Okay. Uh, it is... I mean, it, it's... Let's be honest. It's Ticket to Ride. It's the same map. It's the same trains. It's the same cards. It's the same strategies. But it's multi-system. It's multi-platform. So I can sit at home and play with my friend who's on his iPad when he's traveling out in Georgia. Or I could play with Andy when Andy is out in Kalamazoo. Okay. So it's a little complex to get started because it's multi-platform and I'm launching it through Steam. It's not the most intuitive thing. But once you've got it going, playing the game is easy. 
really, really, really annoying sounds, though. What kind of music did they play with it? Really super annoying music. Turn it off. But you can turn it off, so there's that. But it's basically just Ticket to Ride on multi-platform. That is correct. Where does it say that it's multi-platform on here? I don't see it. Uh, I don't remember where it says it. I just know that you could. Because it doesn't actually use the Steam's network for multiplayer. It uses its own server. So if I got Ticket to Ride Android, I could play you on Steam. Yes. Hmm. And it's like, perhaps we will have to check this out. All right, here we go, yeah. Players on Android can challenge Rail Barons playing on other platforms, including Steam, PC, and Mac, iPad, and on the Days of Wonders online portal. So there you go. There you go, yep. Okay. Now, is this just the USA version, or do they have all the versions? Uh, there's um, expansions, so you can buy the other versions. Okay, so like the Europe map, the 1910 map, etc.? Asia DLC, Europe DLC, Switzerland DLC, yep. Got it. It's a hell of a lot cheaper. It's multi-platform. Yeah, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper than buying the board game. And you don't have to get everybody together in one space. Right. Technically, you don't even, I don't think you even need to get them together at one time. What? Yeah. I haven't tried it, but I saw something about play by email or log in, take a turn and log out. Because think about it, Ticket to Ride has no trading. There's nothing that you do that directly influences other players. No, that's true. That is most definitely true. So, there you go. God, seven bucks, though? For Ticket to Ride? Yeah. You mean a game that costs $40? True, but I'm just trying to see how well it would handle on my tiny little Android screen. Because I do not own an Android tablet. Well, that I have not tried. That's my one thing. Is if you do the electronic version, and I'm playing on my Android device. It's. I seriously hope there's a decent zoom feature. I have not tried. Oh, there's also a pass and play mode too. Ooh. So local multiplayer. Yep. All right. So there you go. Ticket to ride. Electronic version. I personally think Dave copped out on this one. Ouch. Just saying. Says the guy who reviewed what the other week? A movie? Assassin's Creed 4. A movie? Books? Hmm. I try and review anything. I could have reviewed Kushiel's Dart, but I didn't want to get ahead of that. That's coming up. I am on chapter 68 right now. Good, good. Can't wait to hear what you think of it. I've got like 250 pages to go in the book. Oh, not that much. Not that much for a book that's 900 pages. Where are you in the story? Uh, she just talked to the Admiral. Okay. Quentin Rouse? Yes. Enjoy. Random topic. Random topic. Rolled ahead of time. What would you do if you discovered a nuclear suitcase bomb in your parents' house? How am I discovering, like, I just open it up and I look inside and I'm like, oh, that's plutonium. It, the, the question is, what would you do if you randomly stumbled across a nuclear suitcase bomb in your parents' house? I would probably get in the car and start driving away while simultaneously dialing 911. 
I know my parents sometimes buy odd things. Yeah, I'd be a little concerned. Like, why is this at my parents' house? That is an excellent question. And why in the basement of my parents' house? I mean, if well, no, no, it didn't say. It doesn't say basement. It just says you randomly stumble across. Oh, it. I, okay. I was just picturing basement because I was thinking about your parents' house. And where would you randomly stumble across a briefcase bomb? And let's be honest, it would be in the basement. Yes, it would be in the basement of my parents' house. Which or the garage. Which or the in garage. the basement, it's not going to do much, right? Even if if it were in like the first floor of your parents' house, a suitcase bomb, a suitcase nuclear bomb, isn't actually a nuclear bomb. No, it's a. It's a dirty bomb, right. right? The whole point of it is just to spread radioactive material, not produce a radioactive explosion. I love how there's a Wikipedia article for suitcase nuke. Yeah. You want to do it in, like, a crowded area, not a subdivision. But I would definitely be calling 911. <laughs> Unless I had the hotline for, like, the IAEA. If you had the hotline to get into Nest. In- into what? Nest, the nuclear something something team. Okay. Probably 911 and let them handle it from there. The nuclear emergency support team. There you go. Part of the Department of Energy. Like, so I have a bomb. I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Please come take it away. Okay, according to Wikipedia, the lightest nuclear warhead ever acknowledged to be manufactured in the U.S., was 11 inches by 16 inches in a cylinder that weighed 51 pounds. That is a heavy cylinder. Yes, it is. So it was 11 by 16? Yes. Okay. Go on, it is not small enough. To fit in a suitcase, but they say it is small enough to fit in a footlocker-sized container. Or a a duffel bag. Duffel bag would also work, yes. So it could actually be like a nuke-nuke. Yeah, the. Uh, Does it say what the yield on that is? Six kilotons of TNT equivalent. Okay, so that could still do some pretty serious damage. Yes, yes, it could. I'm, I'm not. I mean, why? Why would my parents have such a thing? That is the excellent question. That is the question that they would have to answer to the authorities. Would you even hesitate before calling the authorities? Probably not. Yeah, I think on something like that, they're getting a phone call. Yeah. Well, okay. Suitcase bombs, jeez. Anything else you, you want to talk about, Andy? No, that was the random topic, so we are, uh, I guess we're done. Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone. That's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.